0: Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Juneau, Alaska today with my new friend, Sarah Bernstein of a suitcase full of books.com. Sarah travels to literary inspired destinations and encourages followers to immerse themselves into great literature. In this episode, Sarah explains the differences between black and brown bears, where you can hike a glacier, and about our close encounter with a whale while kayaking. You'll hear these three unique stories about Juneau, Alaska, and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Juneau. Before we get started, I'd love it if you give my show a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback improves the interviews and helps new listeners find the show. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, a quick spin in the washing machine, and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks for a special offer and select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So we're excited to talk about Juneau, Alaska today. What's your connection to the town?
1: I was born here and have lived here all my life, except for when I was on the East Coast for college and grad school.
0: So obviously you came back. What was the main draw to come back?
1: I did come back. (laughs) I was in Boston, which is a great city, but I missed having the mountains and the hiking trails and the water just super available two minute drive from my house. And so I came back because I, I like having nature close by and easy to get to.
0: For sure. And and is that kind of what keeps you there?
1: Definitely. Juno's definitely an outdoorsy city and that's why people live here. (laughs) So (laughs) it's sort of the place where every weekend you're out on a trail, it's a two minute drive to the nearest trail or during the winter you're out on the lakes, ice skating or skiing or yeah. So I'm not a big city person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, my hat's off to you. I, I can handle a little bit of the cold like when I'm visiting, but... I went to Fairbanks back in college, and I just wasn't comfortable with like how cold it was.
1: No, that's I, I'm not a Fairbanks person. <laughs> um, Fairbanks definitely gets colder than we do. Juneau is more temperate. Okay. It's sort of like Seattle weather. It's just constantly rainy and 40 degrees year-round. Sure. We do get some nice days, and then being outside is lovely.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So if you were to describe the people of Juneau in one or two words, how would you describe them?
1: Uh, outdoorsy. I would say either love it or hate it here. And most people who stay are here because of the outdoor activities.
0: You kind of touched on the the weather a little bit there, but what's the weather like year round? I know obviously it gets a little bit darker during the winter and more light during the summer. Is there a certain time of the year that's better to visit?
1: Definitely. I would say overall, we expect rain, but July is the best month to visit. It's usually more likely that we'll get some sunny days during July than the rest of the months. Okay. I would say July 31st is when the rain usually comes back and then just stays for quite a while.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so are there like festivals or anything like that that kind of take advantage of that awesome weather in July?
1: Unfortunately not in July. <laughs> we we do have a annual festival called the Alaska Folk Festival and that's in April and I think it's the second or third week in April and that's when usually a bunch of people who are ex-locals come back and musicians from all over come and it's kind of a free music everywhere festival with evening shows and dances and that's the really big thing that people come home for. It used to be sunny that week, and lately, because our weather has been changing, it's now usually rainy that week, unfortunately. But it it used to be a good week to be here, (laughs) but it's still good for the festival. Absolutely.
0: So yeah, in that sense, it's still good because you got some great music, you got a lot of fun, and then, like you said, a lot of the people that don't live there now come back for that, so you're able to see a lot of old friends.
1: Yeah, it's great some of the folk music is not that great but it's more of a social <laughs> event than anything else yeah yeah everyone gets their 15 minutes of fame so all the spots are 15 minutes long and you can kind of walk in and walk out whether you like them or not and then you go socialize and then you go back and that's all free and then during the day the musicians will go and just sort of jam at coffee shops
0: oh that's <laughs> just fun. sort of
1: a music free for all for a week yeah
0: that's really good are there like big name bands or is it more just local traveling bands or how does that work uh,
1: Actually, so there's usually one group that has been asked to come and they're paid and they get, I believe it's an hour and a half long show on two nights. But other than that, it's whoever applies and gets a spot. So it's anybody that wants to perform. (laughs) Do
0: you have any favorite bands that have performed or is it all, like you said, folk music?
1: It is everything. It is locals. It is some folk music, some local violin students, local choirs, that are not necessarily folksy. I would say that I've got a few favorite local celebrities that play, (laughs) Um, but no big names.
0: Let's back it up for a minute. If people are going to come to Juneau and they say, you know what? This sounds really fun. I want to get in touch with the outdoors and everything. Where do they fly into? Do they fly into Juneau or, or nearby?
1: Yeah. So Juneau only has one airport. It's the Juneau Airport. And we only have one airline that flies in here, which is Alaska Airlines. And occasionally Delta will fly in during the summers if they feel like the traffic is worth it. But for the most part, we're stuck with Alaska Airlines, which is fine.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's worse airlines to be stuck with than Alaska. Alaska yeah. is like actually pretty good. <laughs> right.
1: So Juneau is only accessible by air or by boat. So the other option to get to Juneau is the Alaska Marine Highway. And they do go down to, I believe it's Bellingham. So some people do come in by ferry.
0: So if they're coming from Bellingham, that's is that Washington? Yes. Okay. So they come from Washington up to Juneau. So say we fly in and we want to do some things around town. Do we need to rent a car or is a public transportation? How do people do that?
1: I would suggest renting a car. <laughs> there is public transportation, but it's not great. Juno is sort of stretched out along the coastline, so it's really long, sure. even though it's somewhat small. And so having a car to get around is really the easiest way, especially if you want to get out to some of the hiking trails, because those are not accessible by public transportation. Okay. So we do have a downtown, which is where all the cruise ships come in during the summer and you can walk around there. And if you're staying downtown, you can mostly get around to restaurants and shops and things. But if you want to get out to see more of Juneau, you're going to want to rent a car take an Uber or some sort of ride share or taxi.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So we flew in, we rented a car. What are some of the major things that people do when they come to visit Juneau?
1: The biggest thing, which is really touristy but worth it, is visiting the Hall Glacier. There's a visitor center. There's some hiking trails. There's viewing platforms and a um, short walk out to a waterfall. So I would say that would be the number one thing to do.
0: That sounds really cool. When they're looking at hiking the glacier, are there lots of different trails? How long, if somebody's going to budget their time and try to figure out Maybe they're going to be there for a few days if they want to budget their time and say, okay, I'm going to spend X amount of time hiking the trails over the glacier. I'm going to do some other things. How long should they plan for that?
1: I would say if you're going to go out to the Mendenhall Glacier, I think the longest trail nearby is kind of a three-mile loop or there's a 20-minute walk out to the waterfall. And then you may want to spend some time in the visitor center. So I would say you might spend a few hours out there. Okay. if you want to get on the glacier, there are flight seeing tours that you can take a helicopter up to the glacier and they take you out on the ice. And there's some dog tours up there as well. (laughs) But I haven't actually done those myself because I am local and haven't done a lot of the touristy (laughs) thing. So I don't know how long those take, but uh, from what I've heard, they're fun.
0: (laughs) No, that sounds great. When you're talking about the trails, like I have kids that are four and eight right now. When we come out there, is it something that's okay for them to cruise around on those trails? Or is it a little bit more challenging for like a child or somebody that's maybe a little bit elderly?
1: The trails in Juneau are kind of roots and open ground. And I would say the kids in Juneau start hiking young. (laughs) So okay, they're totally kid accessible, maybe not elderly accessible, but around the glacier, they've made it more tourist accessible. So that's, probably easier if you're on the easier side if you do have a car and you get out to some of the trails out of the center of town those are still kid accessible you know if you're a medium to good
0: hiker now one of the things like when you're hiking or just doing other outdoorsy things you got to watch out for the wildlife i know that there are black bears there is it something that you kind of have to be cautious of that or do they normally kind of stay away how does that work
1: yeah actually that is a thing (laughs) (laughs) Um, if you do want to see black bears safely and you're here in July and you go to the Mendenhall Glacier, they actually do have some platforms that are up above salmon streams. And at the right time of year, you can actually see black bears coming out and feeding. If you're out on the trails that are more local trails out in the wilderness, you do have to watch out for bears. But luckily, black bears are kind of scared of humans. So for the most part, if you're making noise along the trail, they're going to run away and leave you alone. And we have once in a blue moon seen a brown bear in town, but not that often. So brown bears will attack.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay.
1: But for the most part, we don't really have to worry about them. I would say bears are not as big a concern as people think they are here.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things you ought to always be careful. Right. So it's good to know. Black bears are generally kind of afraid. Brown bears, uh, you need to be afraid.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, everybody's not going to be able to visit during July within that, like, that ideal month of, of weather. Say they want to come and visit during the winter and they're prepared for cold, they're ready to rock and roll. What are some of the things to do in the wintertime?
1: Well, we do have a downhill ski area, which is the Eagle Crest ski area. If there's enough snow, we've had some problems in recent winters because our winters have been becoming warmer, unfortunately. (laughs) But if it's a good snow year, that's definitely a place to go. Do some downhill skiing. Otherwise, if the lakes are frozen, I would definitely suggest getting out on the lakes and cross-country skiing. Sorry, ice skating. Also cross-country skiing. We have some great cross-country ski trails. I like to cross-country classical and skate ski out on the lakes and the campgrounds in town.
0: For those of us city folk that aren't really used to uh, lakes freezing over and everything, are there designated areas? or? Because probably <laughs> my luck, if I went out on a, what I thought was a frozen lake, I would go about halfway out there and I would fall into the water. <laughs>
1: So we do actually have an ice rink. So if you're not that adventurous, the ice <laughs> rink does actually rent ice skates and has open skates. So yeah, you can actually go inside if you'd like to.
0: <laughs> I like to swim, but I don't want to swim in freezing water, you know? so
1: <laughs> Yeah, we generally make sure there are other people out on the lakes before we head out on them. Sure,
0: sure. Yeah, let somebody else be the guinea pig. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things that you mentioned to me before is that when you're looking to do touristy things maybe you're here like you said on a cruise liner or something like that there's ways to be able to sign up for like programs where somebody else is taking you around and showing you everything there is the sea in Juneau versus like renting a car say for the day while you're here on a cruise ship
1: right so there are bus tours that go from downtown and they'll take you out to the glacier and a few other sites there's The flight seeing tours that you can do that take you up in helicopters. There's tours that take you on small planes out to lodges where you get a meal and come back and do some flight seeing. There's tours that take you to do dog sledding. There's some zip lining. So there's a bunch of tours during the summer that are very tourist <laughs> oriented.
0: Okay, cool. And for everybody that's listening, we're going to include some of those links in the show notes. So that way you'll find out how to do it instead of having to search it up for yourself. Okay, so when people are planning to come to Juno, where should they stay? Is it, Should they stay in the downtown or are there certain areas that maybe they need to kind of avoid or how does that work?
1: I wouldn't say there are places to avoid in town. I would definitely suggest staying downtown if you want to be close to restaurants and nightlife if you want to be somewhere where things are easily walkable, I would definitely suggest staying downtown. If you want a little more secluded and you're not really going out in the evening, or maybe you have a car so you can get places, then I would probably suggest finding like a Airbnb somewhere a little farther away from downtown.
0: And yeah, maybe that way you get a little bit more feel of what the city is like instead of more of the touristy stuff. Right. So, okay. You kind of mentioned some of the restaurants. If somebody's coming there, where should they go to eat? Like, what are some of your favorites?
1: Juno has an up-and-coming food scene, which is very exciting, and I would say my favorites right now are some of our food carts, (laughs) because I work downtown, and I do a lot of lunches downtown, and generally during the summer, our favorites are the food carts, because they're open. One of the favorites is Deccan Dave's. He does fish tacos and fish and chips. Also, Pucker Wilson's, which has a big sign outside that says, best burgers in town, which is true. Um... (laughs) And then there's also a few good restaurants. I would say the Four Points Hotel has a restaurant downstairs, which I really enjoy as well.
0: When you go there, what type of food do they have or what do you normally eat?
1: So it's a pub. And so it's kind of pub food they have, but good. (laughs) So uh, there's Heroes, my favorite is the Philly cheesesteak. It's not exactly, it's an Alaskan Philly cheesesteak. It's as close as you're going to come on this coast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it's one of those things that people that have cities where they own that food, like Philly cheesesteaks or a like New York style pizza or bagels or whatever, any place outside of there, they can try to replicate it, but it's never exactly the same.
1: Right. And having lived in Philly during college, it's not the same, but it's as close as I'm going to get. <laughs>
0: <so>. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So if somebody was going to come here for the day or for a few days, what type of breakfast places are there?
1: There is a breakfast place downtown called the Sandpiper and it does pretty good brunch. Beyond that, I no, I think that's pretty much our brunch place.
0: <laughs> okay, so it's brunch or drive-through McDonald's?
1: Uh, we do have that, I guess. <laughs> we have one downtown now, so there's that available. There are some other restaurants that do brunch, but I would say if you're specifically wanting brunch, everyone goes to the Sandpiper.
0: All right. And uh, say like you want a good lunch. Is there anything that's like a specialty in Juno, or is it just more like traditional fare?
1: I would say if you are not from here and you're looking for a good lunch or dinner, I would definitely go for somewhere with seafood. <laughs> so we have Tracy's Crab Shack, which does pretty good crab. And it's also famous because a TV show came to town and filmed there. So it does get traffic because of that, but it's worth it. But yeah, I would say most of the restaurants downtown do pretty good seafood, lunch, and dinner. And if you're going to do kind of an Alaskan food when you come, that's what I would suggest.
0: Right on. Say you're out and it's just you and your spouse and you're looking for like a nice dinner, maybe seafood or something else, and then like drinks and dancing afterwards. Is there a place like that there?
1: Well, I guess anywhere downtown. (laughs) I mean, there's the seafood places. If you want some pizza, there's a new Italian pizza place. Yeah, you can pretty much find any type of food that you want downtown. And then there's the pubs and bars downtown if you really want to go dancing or have some nightlife afterwards. I'm just not a big downtown nightlife person.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have kids, so I don't. there's not a whole lot of night going on here either. So it's all good. Uh, how about like a, if you have a sweet tooth and maybe you're looking for a dessert to kind of cap off the night or a, your meal, uh, is there a good place for dessert in Juneau? Mm,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> there is, um, unfortunately, not right now. I was out downtown one night and we were actually looking for dessert and we had to go to like four restaurants before we found some and it was... So-so. So, so, oh, <laughs> yeah. no. so no, there used to be a really great bakery in town, but it's gone now. So
0: oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know, we'll have to skip that one and uh, focus on all the other good things that are to do in Juno. with that. It's time for the final countdown. So if a traveler only had time for one meal in Juno, where should they go? And what should they eat?
1: I would say go to Tracy's crab shack and have the king crab legs or the crab bisque. Either one. They're
0: delicious. Okay, and the crab bisque—that's more like a uh, like a soup. Is that what the bisque is? Yeah. So all right, uh, and then you grew up in Juneau, you left, came back. I'm sure you have many, many stories about the town. What's one of your most memorable stories?
1: This was actually a really hard question. When I saw it in the pre-show notes, I could not, for the life of me, come up with one because I feel like every day in Alaska is an adventure <laughs> um, just because it's Alaska. But. I would say that the most memorable times being here are when you have wildlife encounters. And the closest I've ever been, I guess, to one of the big animals in town has been a whale. I was out kayaking with my family, and we had some out of town guests, and I was in a double kayak with one of our guests. So it was like two young girls in a kayak, and there's a whale fairly far away. And so we kind of stopped and we were next to this island and we were like, oh, we're probably fine here. Turns out that whales cover a lot of ground in a very short amount of time. (laughs) (laughs) And the back of this humpback whale comes up about 10 feet in front of our kayak. It was terrifying, but uh, (laughs) one of the the most memorable um, wildlife encounters.
0: That's pretty intense. I couldn't even imagine what I would do with that, but I would, I might be screaming louder than anybody else.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was pretty terrifying. And then I may have tried to act like that was just every day in Alaska, but.
0: uh... (laughs) Well, speaking of good times, where's the happiest happy hour in Juneau?
1: We have a new tasting room slash pub called Devil's Club. And they, I would say are the best happy hour. They have drinks, they have sodas. So for people who don't drink on Wednesdays, they have pizza. And on normal days, they have an amazing grilled cheese, which they bring you with fondue just in case there's not enough cheese.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. You got do like a cheese overload.
1: Yeah, it's delicious.
0: So, speaking of cheese, I love pepperoni pizza. And so, wherever I go, I try to eat it. Where's the best pepperoni pizza in town?
1: This is a contentious question, and you know, <laughs> I would say if you're with children, the place you should go is Bullwinkle's. It's a local establishment and there's uh, coin-operated video games. And the pizza, it's a debate in town whether it's good or not. I would say it's so bad that it's actually good. <laughs> I enjoy it, but if you're not with kids and you want a good pizza dinner with drinks and a nice view, I would go to the Island Pub. It's on Douglas Island, which is across the channel from Juneau and there's one bridge to get there. I would say that's probably your best pizza in town.
0: Is it okay to bring kids there? Is it more like an adult place?
1: No, it's okay to bring kids. I would just say they're going to be more bored than if they have coin-operated video games. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. That's why we just bring the iPads with our kids. But that works, too. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Obviously, you've traveled a lot. You lived in Alaska, you're back on the East Coast for school and everything, and then back to Alaska. What's one of your best travel tips?
1: The best travel tip I have delivered recently is packing cubes. I don't know what I was doing without them. <laughs> they definitely have made my life easier.
0: Yeah, somebody gave me one of those for Christmas, and I haven't yet succumbed to them yet, but my wife is a hardcore believer in them.
1: Yeah, they changed my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Sarah, thank you for being on the show. You and I, we've been talking for you know, a number of months. We've gotten to know each other a little bit, but the audience doesn't. So Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how people can reach you, and uh, and what it is that you like to write about?
1: I blog about literary-inspired destination travel, and I have a blog called A Suitcase Full of Books. So I like to travel to, for example, On the Trail of Jane Austen. I went to Prince Edward Island because of Anne of Green Gables. Most recently, I went to Concord, Massachusetts to visit all of the transcendentalist writers' homes and the home of Louise May Alcott occasionally I'll pick up an Alaska book, but I haven't done a lot of Alaska content yet because a lot of books involve survival in the wilderness, which uh, I'd <laughs> rather not have to try and survive to write about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like having people prepare food for me instead of having to pick berries and eat leaves, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, right on. And so if people want to connect with you, say on Twitter or social media, what's the best way to find you?
1: find my blog at a uh, suitcase full of books.com and that's going to have all my social handles or on Instagram. It's a suitcase full of books, but the Twitter and the Facebook, unfortunately are not quite as easy. So if you find my blog, you can find all my contact info.
0: Absolutely. And in the show notes, we'll have links to all your social media and all the different ways people can connect with you. Thank you for being on the show. I learned a lot about Juno. I'm pumped. I'm excited. I really want to come visit. Hopefully the whales won't come say hi to me when I come out there.
1: Uh, hopefully you'll be on a bigger boat than
0: I was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, thanks again. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Yeah,
1: thank you.
0: Big thanks to Sarah for coming on the show and sharing her excellent tips about Juneau, Alaska. Show her some love by visiting your site at com and following her on Twitter at suitcaseofbks and on Instagram at books. Visiting Juneau is all about experiencing the outdoors. If you didn't know already, the summertime days last as long as 18 hours. This gives visitors so much sunlight to explore and enjoy all the natural beauty. Send me a tweet at WeTravelThere to share your favorite thing about Juneau, Alaska. All the links we talked about today can be found at wetravelthere.com forward slash Juno. We wanna say thank you to Bluffworks for being our affiliate sponsor of today's episode. I love how their clothing is designed for travel and resists wrinkles and dirt to keep me looking and smelling great, even after a full day of traveling. Best of all, their clothing is machine washable, so you don't need to find a dry cleaner when you're away from home go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code Lee to save 10% off your next order. Send me a message and let me know what style you pick. For questions about an upcoming vacation, visit the We Travel There podcast community on Facebook for the best tips from travelers like you and me. Join us next time as we travel south to Medellin, Colombia, known as the City of Eternal Spring because of their amazing weather. We'll speak with Joseph Hogue, the man behind the Let's Talk Money channel on YouTube. We'll talk about the annual flowers festival, immersive experiences at the planetarium, and where to visit a museum inside a medieval Gothic-style castle. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe, that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.